Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. You probably have your Thanksgiving dinner all planned, but that's okay because we know you can always add something a little different, and that's why we have a Thanksgiving tradition on Smart Talk. Chef Donna Marie Desfour, who hosts the WITF Cooks TV shows and owner of There's a Chef in My Kitchen, joins us to share recipes and ideas. We also would like to hear your suggestions or stories about holiday traditions or experiences. 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. Chef Desfour, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here this time of year. You know, I have a lot of people who say, oh, this is my favorite show of the year. I think part of it is because everybody this week kind of has that holiday spirit for the first time. I mean, Thanksgiving has its own feel, Christmas, uh, you know, Hanukkah, all the holidays around this time of year have their own feel. But Thanksgiving is really when we started. And there are people who that's all they'll be talking about this week is, mm-hmm. OK, what's for dinner? Mm-hmm. What are we going to make? Mm-hmm. Can we do anything differently? Where are we going to put the kids this year? What wine? You know, all those things. How about you? Are you ready to go? I'm re- Well, I'm not ready to go, but I am. Yesterday was so amazing. It, it actually happened this weekend. Wherever you went, there were people out there. Everybody was happy for the first time. And I don't know how long I've been. Since at least November 8th. At least. But there were people in the grocery stores. They wanted to talk to you. You know, I was picking out um, some green beans, and all of a sudden, the green bean casserole question came up. What are you cooking? What are you, how do you make yours? What do you do? And I thought, okay, well, these were for dinner tonight. But, um, yeah. but everybody wants to talk about Thanksgiving. Everybody's in the mood with the cold weather. The decorations were going up in our neighborhood. It's just such a spectacular time. And this week, especially, because we're focusing on the one thing that everybody, it's the common denominator in everybody's life, and that's food. We have to eat to survive, and this is the one meal I think gives more pleasure to more people around the world than any other meal. Uh, Well, okay, in the country. Okay, yeah, Um, I'd say that. I mean, as I said, Thanksgiving dinner definitely has a different feel to it from the other holidays, even the big holidays coming up. But, you know, my wife said the same thing. She and my daughter were out uh, shopping yesterday and uh, when she came home I said you know so what what, what was the mall like and she said it was crowded she, there were a lot of people there yeah, a lot of people talking yeah. I said that kind of surprises me because of how cold and windy it mm-hmm. was yesterday and continues to be today but I think that uh, just what you said people are kind of in the mood for yeah. something different looking for something looking ahead to something yes yes so um, we're doing it a little untraditionally this year we're not cooking at all um, we're not even going over the river and through the wood to grandmother's house then what are you doing we are going to a buffet really I know. I never thought I'd say those words. (laughs) Let's just take that in for a minute. Tana Desfour said she's going to a buffet. Actually, it's a very nice buffet. Uh, Our in-laws are flying up from Florida. Mm -hmm. And so they found this incredible buffet that includes a 500-square-foot room of just desserts. Wow. I know, right? So that just says, okay, let's go. That's bigger Uh, than some people's houses. (laughs) (laughs) My first apartment was smaller than that. So um, so we're going to go do this buffet brunch thing, and um, I've actually come up with a strategy how I'm going to approach this buffet. And I think it's like non-traditional, but I think it's, you know, it's it's worth considering in your own tables. So I'm going to start with dessert. And I'm going to pick the things that I love. You know, and because this time of year, I'm not a pie fan, and I'm not a fruit pie fan especially, 
But I pie, never knew that. You're not a pie fan? I am not. My husband loves pies, and, you know, lucky for him, I really don't eat much or any. Oh, so there's a lot left for him. Yes, yeah, and, okay. um, and so he's very grateful for that. But now, this time of year, every pie imaginable, I want to stick my fork in. So I'm sure I'm going to have a, my own mini buffet in front of me of all the different pies and cheesecakes and pastries. And then I'm going to breakfast. I'm going to have some of those really savory bacon, egg, waffle kind of really good breakfast foods that you, you don't typically make for yourself at home. So I'm going to have my breakfast and I'm going to have my dessert. And then I'm going to go for the sweet potatoes, the mashed potatoes, the turkey, the stuffing, the gravy, all that other stuff, if there's room left. So I think I'm going to work it a little backwards. I think it's a good strategy. I like your strategy. <laughs> I mean, you, you're revolutionary. I mean, you're, you're edgy, man. That's... And, yeah. <laughs> well, the meal will be epic, so I don't know if that makes me evolutionary. <laughs> you know, um, you're talking about pies. Yeah, I, I like pumpkin pie. I love pumpkin pie. But I, I think I've said this before, that uh, still chocolate pies, any mm. type of chocolate pies, or my chocolate mousse, oh, just oh, anything yeah, yeah. Have with chocolate mousse, I just love. And uh, we always end up with probably more chocolate-related pies and cakes the holidays than even pumpkin. Okay, so there'll be a revision to my strategy. I will skip all the chocolate desserts and then head directly over to your house after <laughs> because that sounds delicious. You know, there is sort of a trend right now um, with pies, uh, with in chocolate pies, pumpkin pies, apple pies, all those uh, fruit pies. It used to be that the pies were just laden with spice, mm -hmm. but now they're really going more for the pure flavor, so like real pure chocolate flavor with like an accent seasoning or spice. So you might have, um, you know, a, a chocolate pie with a salted caramel salt on top, or your pumpkin pie, rather than being laden with pumpkin pie spice, might just have uh, a cinnamon crunch crumble on the top. So it's really fun to see how um, our traditional foods really are sort of evolving to our contemporary palate, which is more pure flavors with accented seasonings or spices. Why is that? Um, I think because we're all becoming a little more sophisticated. It's not hard the way, um, you know, the foods that we're buying now, especially the pre-prepared foods, um, they're all coming to us with, uh, you know, pre-made seasonings, barbecue, rotisserie chicken, um, you know, mustard glazed pork tenderloins. So you're getting two pure flavors, and we're really learning to enjoy whatever that primary ingredient is for what it tastes like, and then we're really learning to enjoy how that seasoning uh, lifts or, or pushes forward the, the flavor of the, the protein or the flavor. So, uh, and you know, this week with the Sunday papers and uh, in publications you see leading up to Thanksgiving, all kinds of recipes. Saw one yesterday uh, talking about uh, putting a couple of lemons in the turkey as part of the stuffing. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm not a big lemon person, but I think I'd like that. So this is a classic roasted chicken techniques uh, where you take a, a lemon, a whole lemon, and you just puncture it, you know, about 20 times with the tip of a knife. Or I like to use a cake tester, but be very careful that you get the lemon and not your finger. Um, and what that does, that, and you insert it into the, the bird's cavity. And what that does is as the heat 
increases inside the cavity, those juices start to steep out. Then they start to infuse the flavor of the interior of the bird. And then there's something about that acid in the, the lemon that just makes that skin crisp so beautifully. I've done this. I've done a turkey, or I've done chickens without the lemon and then with the lemon, and the crisp, the skin is just so much more crisp with the lemon in that cavity than ever before. So you can put the lemon in with your, your filling if you're going to do it that way, uh, or you can just stuff it in with a bunch of herbs and salt and pepper, and it works that way too. You know, I know I've asked you this before, but uh, hey, this is a t- uh, an annual program. Not yes. everyone is tuned in remembers what we said last year. <laughs> I don't even remember what we talked I, about. I don't either. Did we have this program last yes, year? I think we did. Um, What's your favorite kind of stuffing? Oh, it's the kind my mom used to make when she did the filling. And, you know, surprising, no one died um, at Thanksgiving dinner. But she did stuff it in the bird, and it was always just so incredibly moist and gooey and, um, you know, laden with uh, fresh herbs. And back then it probably wasn't fresh herbs. Don't tell me otherwise, Mom. Um, yeah, don't ruin this. Yeah. <laughs> She's grown up her whole life thinking this way. Right. But, you know, celery, carrots, onions, and then the bread. And it was just, it just had all of the the you know, inner drippings from the turkey and it was just amazing just amazing and she always made a second batch that you know, somehow she managed to keep it just as moist um, in, a, in a casserole dish because everybody wanted that filling it was so good I noticed you're using the word filling well yes okay so if it's cooked in the bird it's filling if it's not it's stuffing yeah you know if you want to be a tradition if, if we're if we're going to get right down to brass tacks it's okay. filling inside, it's stuffing outside. Now, see, uh, filling, I have to admit that one of the things that I think of is potato filling uh, as opposed to mashed potatoes or, you know, something traditional. You're giving me a look like you don't what know is, what I'm talking about. What is potato filling? You okay, fill a bird with potato? No, 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 no. It is, okay, so now we always have a theme here. <laughs> Someone want to come all in and describe potato filling, 1-800-729-7532, or you could email smarttalk at WITF. But we like to hear your traditions, what's going to be on the table this Thursday, what you like to be on would be on the table this Thursday, or some of the things that you've experienced in the past that uh, you really enjoyed. Well, or if well, you would like directions to Scott's house for that delicious chocolate pie. <laughs> okay. But potato filling, I'm I'm surprised you're not familiar with potato filling? No. Okay. It's like a version of mashed potatoes, but there are some vegetables here and there, like some carrots, some onions. Um, I don't know what else, because I don't make it. I was going to say, this is Scott giving me a recipe. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) But the thing is, I have to admit that we, in our family, we go with two different versions. My in-laws always liked the potato filling where I was a mashed potato. My daughter, family, the kids were always mashed potatoes. So we have potato filling and mashed potatoes on the table. Cool. But um, you is that a Pennsylvania Dutch thing? Is it that a central Pennsylvania be. thing? So so it's it's just potatoes, mashed potatoes, but with vegetables yeah, yeah, mixed in, like yeah, sautéed yeah. vegetables. Yeah, yeah. cooked vegetables. Just little, you know, chopped up very fine that you probably wouldn't even know they're there, but it does give it a little bit. A tremendous different, amount of flavor, I Yeah, bet. different yeah. kind of flavor. It tastes more, uh, it doesn't taste like strict mashed potatoes, I mean, right. your classic mashed potatoes. But if there's someone out there who 
can talk about potato filling, 1-800-729-7532. Before we take phone calls and some emails, I wanted to mention something else that we're doing. Uh, we're currently recruiting listeners to join us for a new podcast as recipe testers. Now, this should be fun. Uh, we'll be releasing new recipes for testers to try out in the coming weeks. We've already heard from more than 450 people in testing out recipes, but there's still space for you to join in in the fun cast or in the fun. I guess I can call it a fun cast too. Yes. The podcast will be hosted by Don and I and begin next year. You can sign up today at witf.org/mouthful. Now, tell me a little bit about this. So, this was an idea that we started kicking around earlier this year that there really is such a robust food community around WITF and, community. and <laughs> WITF and our region and we've seen it over and over again every time we do a show we have hundreds of callers we have a lot of emails we have a lot of recipe requests so what we thought would be fun is to have a larger conversation about food. And as we started kicking around the ideas of how do we create that larger conversation, what are the topics, we thought it would be really best to just go to our listeners and the people that are most interested in food and cooking. And so we're curating a group of testers, recipe testers. It's actually this morning, the count is almost up to 500. Really? Yes. And there's room for more, which is fantastic. Um, so each month, these this these group of testers will be given um, a range of recipes to taste. This month there'll be eighteen. Um, when we release the first round of recipes, there'll be eighteen recipes from five different cookbooks. We span the interest from um, healthy diets to specific diets like vegetarian, like gluten free. Um, to uh, there's a cookbook we're going to test from. It's called Big Bad Breakfast. So breakfast foods, we're going to test one of Ina Garten, the Barefoot Contessa's mm. latest cookbooks. She's, it's called Cooking for Jeffrey. So that's just, you know, really good, entertaining, delicious food. Um, there's a, um, oh, and then there's one, it's called Sous Vide at Home, which if you like to cook or you're familiar with cooking shows and cooking competitions, they're always talking about sous vide and cooking uh, under vacuum or in an immersion circulator. So we have a, a terrific little book that um, focuses on cooking that way. So our testers will be able to take one or two recipes, whatever they want, test them, report back to us not only on their testing experience, but on what happened when they set that food out on the table for their friends, for their families. Did people gather around for this specific meal or what did they think about it? What did you think about it as a tester? What did you learn? What did you need to learn? What did you wish you knew going in? Um, and we think that all of those comments coming in will help us figure out what the most important thing to be talking about in food at that moment is. And then we'll generate a podcast from that. So it could be educational. It could be fun. It could be entertaining. Uh, you know, it could be tips and tricks. It could be techniques. It could just be how to have a pop-up party when you're cooking food that you don't even know what it's going to taste like in the end. So um, it's a really neat concept. We really hope everybody continues to, to dive right in and participate. And we should be sending out that first round of recipes probably within a week or two. And uh, you can, again, if you would like to become a tester, up to 500 already, but yes. uh, uh, still room for more. Just go to witf.org slash mouthful and uh, 
it's very easy to find. So uh, I'm sure that, uh, as you said, the food community in WITF is, uh, is, is very large, and I'm sure we have a lot of people who would like to t- take advantage of that. We're going to take some phone calls and emails here in just a moment. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. Chef Donna Marie Desfour is our guest today. We're talking about Thanksgiving cooking, recipes, and mealtime ideas, and we'd like to hear from you. What's going to be on the table this Thursday? Maybe you have a question about something that you've been thinking about, just like to need that little push and an idea from Donna. Give us a call, 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. You can leave uh, a recipe or your question or comment on WITF's Facebook page. Again, that phone number is one 800 Seven two nine seven five three two. Is it still true that I'm the only one other than your mother who calls you Donna Marie? Yes. Okay. All right. I just wanted to check that out. But and Bunny's uh, listening. I figured Hi, she Bunny. would be. I thought she would be listening. Uh, let's go to Judy and Redding. And I knew we would get someone talking about potato filling. Judy, what's on your mind? Well, I wanted to give you our family's. I will call it a recipe, although it's not really a recipe. Either you can take some stale bread, any bread you have around. I like to mix like a whole wheat and a white, Mm -hmm. cut it into a little cube, Mm -hmm. and then also celery and onions diced. You take all of that, put it in a big frying pan with a lot of butter, (laughs) and slowly fry that until you're bread is actually browning, mm-hmm. actually gets a little crispy in spots, and then just make your regular mashed potatoes, make them a little wetter than normal, mix that uh, filling, is what I'm going to call it, right. into your mashed potatoes, throw it in the oven, and bake it for like the last half hour or hour. It is it's decadent. <laughs> it sounds like that. So it's really just sort of a combination of mashed potatoes and then uh, a, a bread filling. Sort of, except you wouldn't want your bread. It's not bread filling that you've um, baked right. and it's been wet and gooey. Uh-huh. It's something that you put in the in a big frying pan yeah, and yeah. fry it until your bread is a little bit crusty. So it is. So it's a dry. It's a dry. Um, like vegetable and bread mix that goes in with the the mashed potatoes? Yeah, as dry as you can get it by frying it. Wow, yeah. that sounds amazing. It's a little wet, but I mean, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. it no. is delicious. And you don't have to bake it if you don't want to. After your potatoes are done, you can throw it in. Actually, today, I am frying everything, uh-huh. and on Wednesday, I'll make the mashed potatoes, and then I'll take my fried mixture and mix that in, and then on Thursday, I'll just pop it in the oven. Well, see, Judy, you got it all planned out. That's now, a great strategy. See, Judy, I, I see you're from Reading, and I, I said when I was talking about my in-laws yeah. making this, my in-laws are both from Reading. So is this a central Pennsylvania thing? I kind of think it must be, and honestly, I, I'm actually from Shoemaker's Hill. Ah, okay. But Reading is the closest, and I thought, who knows about Shoemaker's Oh, a lot of people do. <laughs> all right, Judy, thank you very much, and happy okay. Thanksgiving. Thanks, Judy. Thanks. Thank you. All right. We have another uh, potato filling uh, question or comment. Stephen is in Ono in Lebanon County. Stephen, you're on the air. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I, 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 you guys were talking about potato filling, and I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking about that wonderful smell 
all the different smells in, in, in the house growing up. And uh, potato filling was one of them. My mom used to start off with uh, onions and uh, diced onions and, and sliced celery mm-hmm. and uh, brown that in, in a, in a gobs of butter, okay, and uh, get that all sauteed and real, real good. And uh, It smelled so good, it had to taste good. So I'd, <laughs> I'd every once in a while I'd sneak over and grab a spoonful, you know, out of the pan and uh, let you take the... The, the the bread and uh, like bust it up, tear it up with their hands and put that in the into the onions and the uh, celery mix. After that was cooking, you know, fairly good, getting a little bit brown, and then uh, brown the brown the bread the bread pieces in that mixture while she you know was making the the, the mashed potatoes, um, and then she combined all that. And put it in a in an oblong uh, pan and bake it in the oven with uh, with aluminum foil over the top. Right. Yeah. So 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 when done, it would it would get you know uh, uh, done uh, uh, nearly all the way through, and then she would remove the the aluminum foil and. Uh, let it let it get like all nice and brown on the yeah, top, you know. Yeah. Before, uh, uh, of course, she you know she would put like tablespoons of butter along the top before she started to you know of take course. the spoon and make those, like like little indentations in the uh, in in the the potato filling, you know. And, hey, hey, Stephen, and, and it, 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 it would be like a like an ocean of potato greatness, you know. <laughs> I like hey, that. Stephen, thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving. An I, ocean of potato greatness. I think that should that should be like the name of a cookbook or something. An ocean of potato greatness. But you know what, Stephen and Judy both described. I think are the the quintessential aromas right. of That's Thanksgiving. That's what I was going to mention to you. The yeah, onions, the celery, sometimes carrots, but in that butter, and it's usually butter. I mean, you know, people always use olive oil or you know, like maybe a better like a you healthier can't do fat. No, but with, oh my gosh, I can even remember being a little girl and the the aroma that was coming out of the kitchen is amazing. So what's really cool is when they're putting in this, this these breadcrumbs or, or the, the bread cubes, what that bread is doing is, first of all, it's absorbing all of the natural juices that have um, been given up with the onions and the celery in the butter, but it's also absorbing that butter. So then when you put it in with those mashed potatoes and you add that butter to the mashed potatoes, it's just this amazing amalgam of, you know, delicious flavor. And fat, whether you like it or not, is what delivers flavor across the palate. So if you've got fat in your ingredients and then you add fat on the end, um, you know, you're going to be getting those flavors all over your mouth. It's going to be really, really delicious. I might have to try this one. See, you know, I forgot celery when I was telling you about it before because celery is Mm -hmm. like one of the major components in this. Uh, Chris in Lancaster has a little bit of a different Thanksgiving tradition. Chris, you're on the air. Hi, good morning. Morning, Chris. Uh, Morning. Uh, Well, my Thanksgiving tradition is to make lasagna. Uh, my grandmother came from Sicily in the uh, early 1900s, um, and she had never heard of turkey. She'd never seen a turkey. She knew chicken, of course, but uh, she would make lasagna for Thanksgiving. And so every Thanksgiving day, we have lasagna. We have stuffed artichokes. We mm-hmm. have uh, uh, an antipasto, and then uh, 
Afterwards, for dessert, we have Italian pastries, and we have fennel, raw fennel, mm-hmm. which is always served after meals. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's our tradition. Now, the day after Thanksgiving, the Friday, I'll make turkey. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you can't get away from the turkey, but uh, I like it. I like it. No, well, and, and you know, and Chris, this is really, this is really brilliant because a, a lot of what we talk about are traditions and what our families do. And when you celebrate your family heritage and you celebrate it around a classical family heritage kind of meal, that's really the essence of what we're thankful for. Um, yeah, my, I, my son looks forward to it every year, and uh, hopefully if he has children... His, my grandchildren will be part of it, too. Well, uh, give them uh, no choice. <laughs> hey, Chris, thank you, thank you very happy much. Happy Thanksgiving. For, yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you. All right, Manuel and Carlisle says, My wife and I have celiac disease ah. and are cooking gluten-free for the whole extended family. Please remember there are those who are celiac or gluten intolerant. I make cranberry, almond, ginger, wild rice stuffing in the bird and would like some ideas for alternative desserts without using the fake gluten products. So, okay, well, um, I don't know what you mean by fake gluten products. Um, They're either with gluten or they're without gluten. Um, So one of the cookbooks that we're going to test from in the podcast pilot is called Against All Grain. It's by Danielle Walker, and it's called Celebrations. And this woman has really nailed it to a T. She is cooking dairy-free, gluten-free, and grain-free and one of the the foods that I brought in uh, today for everybody to sample is yeah, but you got stuck on the highway. I know it's 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 still it's there. there. All right, okay. It won't be there when we're done. No. But <laughs> um, but she makes a bread out of cashews, out of almond milk, out of eggs, um, a little bit of baking soda, and she uses vinegar, apple cider vinegar, for um, a substitute for baking powder, and it's and coconut flour, and. I tested it, and I was really, really skeptical, but it's a lovely bread, and it's a lovely bread that can be used for a substitute for bread fillings, um, for any kind of uh, bruschettas or any anything that requires bread. So I, I suggest, if you can, get out there, um, take a look at her cookbook. Um, you shouldn't have too much trouble finding it in the stores right now, um, but it's called Against All Grains celebrations and the author is danielle walker now that's gluten-free it's gluten-free dairy-free and paleo so it really covers the span of just about everybody's need if you're vegetarian you can find something in there but if you really if you are celiac um this is this is a serious cookbook that you can use that doesn't just say check the ingredients and make sure they're they're gluten-free this is you know, using almond milk, cashew milk, um, using the coconut flour, the palm shortening, uh, white chia seeds, all all the things that are typically gluten-free, she's put them all together in very meaningful ways that can give you the things that you want, like a maple pecan pumpkin pie, or ma- maple pecan pecan pie, I think, is one of her recipes in that book as well. So, you know, she does take you through sides and desserts. But here's the thing that I learned, um, you know, going through that book. A lot of our foods in their natural state are gluten-free. So it's really when we try and start layering all those seasonings and glazes and um, store-bought products on top of them that we really trigger the gluten issues. So, 
excellent uh, resource for celiacs. Uh, there are some really terrific websites out there, too. Um, the Minimalist Baker is one of them. Um, Against All Grain is Daniel Walker's website. I highly recommend you check that out. Um, I think you'll find that the options this year are expansive. Mm. All right, let's take another phone call from Kathy in Columbia. Kathy, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. I'm calling. I was uh, having a question about going to a meal at my mother's. My mother is having Thanksgiving, and she's made it quite clear that she's going to keep everything very basic. Not really interested in having Thanksgiving, but she's having it. (laughs) 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 Everything's going to be very simple, mashed potatoes from the dairy section, uh, turkey with very basic uh, breadcrumbs stuffed into it. Nice. And, um, you know, be just very simple and not much effort put into anything. Uh, my children, though, love diversity and love trying new foods. I'm wondering if you could suggest some kind of dish that I could take that would not threaten my mother in any way, yet add some drama and interest to the day and right. the meal. Okay, so, <laughs> Kathy, you're asking Donna for something basic but that has an edge to it. Yeah. Okay, Donna. Now you're and, on the spot. And you want it you want a fish? No. No. No, I oh, just, I'm sorry. Uh, an interesting dish. Oh, I thought you said a fish. Okay, sorry. I'm getting I all think my things. I would definitely threaten my mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that may do it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, go with what the kids love. Even if she's doing all of the like the very, you know, as as mundane and basic as it can be, um, I would I would do something fun like take whole carrots and when you get there, glaze them with um, you know, some ginger and some fresh herbs and um, you know, play around with some seasonings. Um, see what you can do with that. Um, Oh, okay. Um, do you want to do you want to stay within the whole range of of um, uh, Thanksgiving foods? I mean, you could do a sweet potato pie, or you could do a sweet potato casserole that doesn't necessarily have all the marshmallow stuff on top, but do something a little more savory. Um, you know, add some herbs into that. I mean, herbs will change the the flavor the favorite flavor uh, profile of anything you can try like sage and some rosemary uh, maybe just saute a little bit of that in uh, some butter and then take your sweet potatoes and and steam them all together um, mix it in with the butter and the herbs that you sauteed mix that all together steam that and then if you can pull the whole stems out then you know just um, puree the sweet potatoes and um, I would bake them that way or you know introduce some biscuits, introduce some fun ways to layer the foods, maybe some biscuits and turkey, and then maybe, um, you know, if, if you can make a turkey gravy or if you can buy a good store-bought gravy from a market and then start doctoring it up, add mushrooms, add wine, add onions, and cook that all down um, and start layering uh, your flavors that way. I... I I would take um, lots of fun seasonings like garlic, salt, garlic uh, powder, onion powder, um, 
if you uh, have, you're writing a book now, you know. Yeah, that. but that means. But my point is, is you know, you don't have to like overwhelm your mom, and you could still satisfy your kids just by getting really creative, like with seasonings and flavors. It's exactly the opposite of what I said about the gluten-free. You know, where you can't really trust a lot of those ingredients, but you can take those ingredients and layer soy, layer balsamic and soy together are amazing in vegetables. So you know, like equal parts soy and balsamic mm. vinegar. Just toss your vegetables in that, and I think your kids will just. Love it. Kathy, you got uh, a lot to think about there. <laughs> I do, and a, and a delicate dance to do that day. So thank you, <laughs> hey, thank you very Enjoy much for your, your call. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Yeah. Let's go with Tammy in Enola. Tammy, you're on the air. Hello, Tammy? Oh, Tammy had some potato-filling ideas, too. Hey, you, you know, you just mentioned uh, sweet potatoes. Last week, I don't know whether you heard it or not, but John Moeller, former White House chef, was on our show last week. And I got to see John at the Extraordinary Give on Friday, too. He stopped out. Uh, but I looked through his book looking for what some of the presidents liked at holidays. Now, most of them were about the, the, the Christmas holidays. But I did find one here that had to do with uh, sweet potatoes. Sweet potato soup. Tell me what you think of this, okay? This is from his book, Dining at the White House from the President's Table to Yours by John Muller. Okay, serve six. Preparation time, 20 minutes. Cook time, 30 minutes. Two tablespoons unsalted butter. One cup small diced leeks, white part only. Mm -hmm. Three cups peeled medium diced sweet potatoes. Five cups chicken broth. Half a cup of heavy cream. Salt and white pepper. Melt the butter into medium sauce pot over medium heat. Add leeks, sweat for four to five minutes, and season with salt and pepper. Add the potatoes, sweat for two minutes. Add chicken broth, bring to a boil, and decrease to simmer for 10 to 15 minutes until the potatoes are tender. Remove from the heat and puree using an immersion blender until smooth. Stir in cream and season with salt and pepper. Keep warm until ready to serve. What do you think? I think it sounds amazing. Um, so that's traditional French cooking. And I have to say that I did have the honor of being uh, served dinner by Chef John Muller at a dinner that was purchased at the WITF anniversary. That's right, last year. Yes, I was a guest, and it was such a such a treasure and an honor to be in his care that evening. Um, he did serve us an amazing soup, too. Not the sweet potato soup, but it was truly spectacular. But so the sweet potato soup, uh, any of you out there that are listening that have ever made a butternut squash bisque, this is the same recipe, uh, only using sweet potatoes. Uh, so it's uh, quite delicious. It's a standard soup recipe. Traditional French cooking will use cream. Um, contemporary French cooking will omit the cream and add either either additional um, chicken or vegetable stock or even water and just let those the flavor of the sweet potatoes come through. Um, it's great, super easy recipe to make. Uh, you can make it a day or two ahead and then just slowly reheat it and you can add as much additional water stock to get you to the number of servings that you need but it's, it sounds like a quite quite a lovely soup and then you could even take the 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 cream or do a, a creme fraiche or even a sour cream and put a little dollop on top and then you know back to the sage you know maybe just crumble some or dice some fresh sage or some rosemary and um, you know just sprinkle that on top or if you reduce apples apple, apple um, cider 
if you just reduce that until it's nice and syrupy, you can just drizzle that over the top too. And why not? While you're at it, throw a marshmallow in there. You have <laughs> sweet potato marshmallow soup. And I won't mention which president that was because in our political atmosphere today, someone won't like it <laughs> if they know which president it is. You're it's- listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. Welcome back to Smart Talk. Chef Donna Marie Desfour is our guest. She's the host of WITF Cooks TV shows, the owner of There's a Chef in My Kitchen, and soon to be the, uh, well, I guess, I don't know if I'm a co-host. I'll just be sitting there listening to you and kind of leading you into it uh, with uh, the, the podcast. Maybe we should call it the education of Scott in the kitchen. I don't know if you should do that or not. I, I didn't, I it's going to be a great it's just going to be a great conversation about food. I think it will be. But 1-800-729-7532 is the number to call. Tell us about your Thanksgiving. Anything out of the ordinary? Maybe you just like our last uh, caller who called in about uh, liking it basic or a mother who likes it basic. Maybe you do too. Uh, Maybe looking for a different kind of breakfast that morning or dessert. What time of the day do you uh, have your Thanksgiving dinner? And Donna, I notice, and I say this all the time, that uh, you always add a little bit of wine to uh, many of the dishes that you prepare. Um, and I'm sure there are there's some wine on the side. So what uh, this buffet that <laughs> what you're are going, you suggesting? Uh, this buffet that you're attending on Thursday. Will there be wines there? I have no knowledge of the beverages that will be served at this buffet. Really? I thought that would be something you would... uh... So, oddly enough, um, yes, I I haven't even... my focus has solely been food and trying to figure out... I, I don't, you know, I don't eat a lot. And over the span of this magnificent spread, it's probably like four or five city blocks um you know i've been focusing on the food strategy i'm sure there will be wine um i'm sure there will be amazing things to eat and drink that aren't um, alcoholic in nature but that's usually my husband's job now my husband has really become quite the wine and beverage aficionado so i go to him and say what goes with this honey (laughs) all right let's talk with uh, steve and steve where are you by the way kenton Where's Kempton? Berks County? Berks County, northernmost part of Berks County. Okay. So I understand you want to talk about potato filling, too. Yes. Um, Growing up, I helped at our local volunteer fire company make potato filling for banquets and wedding receptions and so forth. Cool. So do you have a... Um, Is your recipe any different than what we've heard? Yeah. Um, Basically, you start out with making a very sloppy mashed potatoes. Uh, very heavy in salt and pepper. Right. The bread, depending who was controlling the mixer, um, would either be toasted, dried, or they would take the bread from and soak them in milk and then put them in the mixer. Uh-huh. One thing they used to do was they used to save uh, whole, like rolls, mm-hmm. like hamburger and hot dog rolls right. from uh, events. It would make it a bit sweeter, mm-hmm. or sometimes they would put a little sugar in it. Mm-hmm. The other thing I hear that's missing is eggs. Eggs. They always put eggs in it with the sautéed onions and celery and also parsley. Okay. And then we would put them in the big pans, uh, put in the oven with butter on top of it to brown a crust on it. So does the eggs, or are the eggs mixed in with the mashed potatoes or with the, the filling? Yeah, com- the eggs are mixed in with the mashed potatoes. So, so in the mixer, right. you usually start out with the potatoes, the milk. 
right, the so, butter. Yeah, so that gives and it sort of the that, eggs in. Right, it gives it that um, fluffy casserole kind of Right, um, lift. gives it loft because the yeah. pans, when you pull them out of the oven, they'd be about an inch or two wow. higher. So, Steve, when you're doing this for banquets, that sounds like a lot of potato filling. Oh, my God. We don't do them anymore, but as a kid, we had a lot of volunteers that would help, and it was part of our fundraising. We'd probably make about um, 150, 200 pounds oh of potatoes goodness. for a banquet. Wow. That's fantastic. <laughs> hey, Steve, I'm glad you called in. Happy Thanksgiving. What did the other Steve say? An ocean of buttery mashed potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that gives a whole new meaning to that phrase. Let's go to Christina in Mechanicsburg. Christina, you're on the air. Good morning. morning. Happy holiday week. To you, too. Thank you. Uh, I'm veering off the subject of potato filling. Okay. And that's fine. Yes. I'm talking about how you cook your turkey. I know there's several. um, I'm curious, and I also have uh, kind of like a special way that I'm going to do it no matter what. But I cook my turkey upside down. Yes, that is, well, okay, go ahead. It is the best way. It, for, for As far as presentation, it's no good. But if you're going to cook a turkey <laughs> and carve it on the side, we're in. Well, <laughs> I like the way you put that. As far as presentation, <laughs> it's no good. You know, but if you go back to that beautiful Norman Rockwell scene at the Thanksgiving table where... Oh, yeah, forget they, about it. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know anybody that presents the bird like that at the table. And then what do you do? Sort of hover over everyone while you try and break down? I just don't think it's happening. Um, but what you're talking about, cooking the bird upside down, it's, again, going back to the roasted chicken. That is a classic way to roast a chicken or a bird or a whole bird. And here's why. Because when you flip it over, when you rest it on its belly first, um, all the meat, all the bones, the things that take the longest to cook... They get exposed to that heat, that dry heat in the oven, and they and re- they flow right into the bread. Absolutely, and all those juices come in and down, and they moisten oh. it, and and you do get a really tremendous, um, nice crisp skin on the backside. Now, if you're really adventurous, um, it's it, I always start my my turkey or my chickens at about 425, and I use the convection function. So it's actually cooking at about 450 or higher. But I will leave that bird upside down for a good half hour, 45 minutes, or until I think I see the skin nice and crisp and crusty and and got a nice golden brown. I take it out of the oven at that point, and I use a bunch of uh, paper towels or spatulas or wooden spoons, and I use those to flip the bird over. And then I dab off any moisture from the the breast, and then I re-season it with um, uh, salt and pepper and, you know, maybe a little, um, you know, lemon zest or something, and then back into the oven. Um, Sometimes I even baste it with a little olive oil, and then back into the oven, and then it cooks. And the breast cooks much, much faster then at that point, and boom, you have a beautiful, delicious, impeccably cooked roast chicken or turkey. You know, Christine, I think I'm going to try that this year. That does sound good. Oh, my. You have to. It's just amazing. It changes. the, And I don't flip it back and forth. I'm, I appreciate your uh, chefness, <laughs> my dear. Thank but, you. Um, I take a great big piece of foil, and I fold it over and make like a, a handle. Uh-huh. And I lay it under the turkey, and I roll the two ends up. So 
when I'm going to serve the bird, then I just flip it out with the foil right, carrier that's, thing. That's perfect. Hey, thank you very yeah. much for your call. Happy Thanks, Thanksgiving. Christina. Thank you. Let's uh, go to Jim in Edders. Jim, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Hi Jim. Uh, you guys have been talking about all these recipes, and they all involve butter. And I just noticed in my recent recipe searches that many of them specify unsalted butter. In fact, the one you just read from the White House specified unsalted butter. And I'm just wondering if they do that as a way to control sodium intake or are there special properties to unsalted butter. Yeah, Donna. <laughs> yeah, Donna. <laughs> well, Jim. Wow. Uh, uh, so... Typically, you use unsalted butter only because you will be seasoning your dish, your ingredients, your recipes throughout. So if you start with salted butter and you're adding more salt, you're not really going to be able to taste the full complement of all the salt until the finished dish. And typically, chefs will test and taste the whole way through. So uh, you can use regular salted butter if that's what you have. Um, I, I just would really back off on the salt and pepper and seasoning until you're ready to serve the dish and you can get a, f a really good idea of what that, that bird tastes like. Um, sounds good. But I mean, over the holidays, or even for Thanksgiving, either, I bet you most of us use a pound and a half to two pounds of butter after all the dishes are done. Uh, yeah, well, when everything's done, you can start throwing the salted butter in. That's that's not a problem, um, you know. But uh, my husband asked me this morning what I was what I was grateful for. I was like butter, <laughs> mayonnaise. It's butter and bacon, the two essential ingredients. I know, right? Yeah. Hey, thanks for your call, Jim. Happy Thanksgiving. You know, and speaking of which, there are people thinking about the health this week and uh, you know although we feel guilty we do it anyway but joy sends us an email and says in order to prepare for the massive carb load ahead i need family dinner ideas for tonight tomorrow and wednesday that are lighter air sauteed air Huh. Crisp air. No, I'm like, we always joke about that in our house. You know, after we've had a, a very indulgent weekend, what are we going to eat for dinner tonight? <laughs> we usually say sauteed air. Um, so, yeah, you just want to eat healthy and clean, and, and it's not hard. Chicken breasts that are grilled or um, sauteed, pan sauteed on the stovetop or baked in the oven. A little uh, salt and pepper is all you need. Uh, you can marinate them first if you'd like, maybe with a little gazebo dressing. That's the easiest, and uh, I think. I think most people have that in their kitchens or Italian dressing. Um, little herbs, uh, when they come out, just sprinkle little herbs on, and, and that's fine. Steamed vegetables are a great way to go. Salads, carrots. Um, and don't overlook uh, some of the things that, that we love to do breakfast for dinner. And, you know... Eggs can be very healthy, and if you combine them with a whole grain like quinoa and some avocados and some fresh steamed vegetables, you really do have a healthy filling meal. So uh, I say um, keep it to clean proteins. I think tonight we're having um, a, a pork tenderloin mm, that we good. yeah we picked up at the grocery store yesterday. We're gonna we're gonna grill that off and just have a little uh, grilled asparagus or steamed. I don't I guess depending on the weather. Uh, and, and a green salad. So you can do, uh, watch your portion control, drink lots and lots of liquids, and um, you'll feel a little fuller. And then when you get to the Thanksgiving dinner, um, go slow. Taste everything you're eating. Make uh, sure you're enjoying you it. Uh, this is her advice and, all the time. Um, go slow. Yeah, but go Taste slow. it. Put the, the fork down. Enjoy it. Talk to the people around the table. Make sure that, you know, that you really want to 
eat what you you are putting in your mouth, and you will make it through that fabulous dinner. Kathy in Millersville. Love to fry bacon and add it to butter along with chopped fresh sage, then slather it, slather it, slather it, <laughs> I can't get out, slather it, on the turkey. Makes for a great gravy at the end. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, again, the whole idea about, um, you know, crisping up that skin, um, the skin is laden with fat, and the more fat you add, the more that it will crisp up. So... The herbs and everything else, the juices are running down and in and alongside, and um, and what's in the pan if she's making real gravy. See, turkey, give us your address, we'll be over. <laughs> turkey is a challenge, though, isn't it? Because it it can be very dry unless you know. This is what you've described throughout the program: is that it needs a little something. It does, and and it's and it shouldn't be difficult. And most of the turkeys that, unless you're buying a 100% fresh turkey that has not been um, injected with any kind of solution. Most of those days of, you know, the really da- you know, desperately dry breast um, or white meat is gone. Uh, most turkeys are frozen and they're frozen in a solution. So as that, it's a salt solution. So as you're defrosting them, um, it's like it's like you're brining them. So you do have a lot of flexibility in your cooking process. And I, I think that's why Christina, I think it was Christina, you know, she said she cooks it upside down. That's where she's getting all the flavor because all those juices are dripping down into, into the breast. And when you flip it over, you know, the same thing. If you're putting butter and bacon and things on top um, or, or even under the skin, they're going to melt down into into the breast meat as well. So... In, in your contemporary kitchen, dry turkey shouldn't be that much of an issue. I think we make it an issue because we don't cook turkeys. We don't cook whole turkeys or, you know, 15 or 18-pound birds or 30-pound birds in our kitchen or our ovens on a regular basis. So timing's a little bit off. Trust your instincts and trust your sense of smell. Um, you know, whether that little popper pops up or, you know, when you look at that turkey and it's brown and the skin is crisp and it's starting to pull away and the, the drumstick is pulling away from um, the rest of the bird, you know it's done. Yeah. See, my brother-in-law deep fries his turkey. He's deep done that frying the last, is amazing. The last couple of years, and I've asked him for the recipe so we can talk about it on the air, and he's blown me off the last couple of years. So. Does that tell you something? Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> we only have about 90 seconds left and uh, wanted to... Uh, again, mention that we will be, uh, Donna and I will be uh, beginning early next year with a, a podcast, and we're looking for testers out there. So far, about 400, Donna says close to 500 people have uh, signed up to test out some of the recipes. Uh, you can sign up today at WITF.org slash mouthful. But Donna, in about 60 seconds, real quick, if someone's just tuning in, what are they going to be doing here? So you'll be choosing from about 18 to 20 recipes from five different cookbooks each month, and you will get to cook them in your own home uh, for your family, for your friends, however you want. Um, We'll ask you to follow the recipes as they're written, but we suspect that you won't. Um, And then you'll fill out a very short uh, comment form, and in that comment form, you'll Tell us what you liked, what you didn't like, what you wish you knew, what you wanted more information on. And then you'll review not only the, the recipe, but the cookbook and that it came from. And from that, we will start gathering ideas for our podcast. And to the extent that you shared your comments with us, we'll be calling you to see about 
whether you'd like to participate and be on the air with us. Chef Donna Marie Desfort, thank you very much, and happy Thanksgiving to you happy and, Thanksgiving, and your family. Scott, and to you as well. Coming up uh, tomorrow, it's our pick of the month. It's called What the Luck, and it has to do with luck and uh, just how much of your life, and this is a, a, a statistician who's written this book, how much of your, uh, lo- of your life is luck. That's coming up on tomorrow's program.